ABC Listen. Hello, hello, my friends. It's Ruby here, and you are listening to News Time. Hi there, Ruby. Hello. Hello, Ruby. Today's episode is going to start with rainbow lorikeets and a mysterious illness. Then we'll hear about why people with smartphones have decided to go old school and we'll bounce along with a teenage DJ who's spinning some very cool tracks. We'll have a quick go on the video game controls and then fly over to our Wow of the Week. You got it. What do you think? Should we start the countdown? Let's go. Story number five. Over the past few weeks in the north part of New South Wales, hundreds of rainbow lorikeets have fallen out of the sky and no one really knows why it's happening. Wildlife carers have taken in more than 200 of these poor little paralysed lorikeets and diagnosed them with lorikeet paralysis syndrome. When something's paralysed, it means it can't move. Big parts of these lorikeets' bodies are paralysed and it means they can't fly. That's very sad for the lorikeets because then they can't fly and they'll fall. They can't do what they need to do. It's very bad. But how does it freeze them? That's the thing. Nobody's sure. What scientists do know so far is that this strange phenomenon often happens between October and June and mostly in the areas between Bundaberg in Queensland and Grafton in New South Wales. But that's kind of all they know. They're still trying to figure out what causes the lorikeet paralysis syndrome and they need our help. From Bundaberg to Grafton, scientists have put the call out for citizen scientists. They're everyday people who are keen to help. Real scientists are asking citizen scientists to take note of what they see lorikeets eating. They think there might be a link between what the birds are munching on and this paralysis. I think it's good for people to be working with scientists. So then the scientists can have help and, like, we should see what the cause is. Hopefully, scientists and citizen scientists working together can help figure out the cause of this mystery illness and keep those colourful birdie wings beating. Story number four. Do the grown-ups in your life spend too much time on their phones? Yep. A lot. My dad isn't only on it when he gets notifications. My parents have smartphones and they use it a lot. You've probably noticed that the grown-ups in your life have mobile phones with a screen, a camera, an internet connection, lots of different apps and games, all the bells and whistles, basically. Because of all the clever things that these phones do, they are called smartphones. But... Some people recently have chosen to ditch their high-tech devices. Instead, they're switching to older, simpler phones, also known as bricks or dumb phones. It's the ones that you can just close when you're not using it. Yep, these phones have keypads and a really small screen. Some of them flip open and closed. You can make phone calls and send text messages, 
but often you can't take very good pictures or go on the internet. So no apps, no YouTube, and no emails. Why would anyone do this? Well, it turns out that dumb phones aren't very interesting, so people who have them spend less time staring at their phone and more time paying attention to the real world. Maybe because they don't really want to be addicted to all the apps. So then they don't get addicted, so then they can do other stuff, enjoy the meaning of life. Exactly. Some people feel like smartphones are distracting and make it hard for them to focus, and that they can become a bit addicted. Smartphones are still very popular though, but it looks like there's an important place in the world for old school too. Story number three. Cooper Smith is 18 years old and passionate about music. When he was younger, he'd play with his dad's music collection, flipping through records and mixing sounds together. As he got older, Cooper wanted to share his love of music with the world. So he practised and practised and practised, and he became a DJ. They mixed the sounds and the rhythms to make new songs. A DJ is someone who plays music at events like parties and weddings. They spin tracks on special computers and blend them together to get people dancing and having a good time. Cooper has already performed at music festivals like Ability Fest and Beyond the Valley, and even at the Australian Open Tennis Tournament last month. It's really cool how an 18-year-old can achieve so much in just a little time. I know, right? Cooper has cerebral palsy. That's a disability that affects his speech and his motor skills. It means he often uses a wheelchair to get around. For Cooper, performing at the Australian Open was extra special because the venue was accessible. That means it's built in a way for people who use wheelchairs to get around easily. He feels happy because then like him and anyone else can access the stage. Cooper wants his music to make people feel more connected. He's using his DJing to express his emotions and help people have a good time. I get to move to the beat and the rhythm. Keep up the good work. Go where your heart tells you. Good on you, Cooper. Story number two. I wonder, do we have any gamers in our Newstime crew? I play video games on my Nintendo. I play video games on my iPad and I like playing Pokemon games and like a Nintendo Switch. I like that I can control uh, people on the game that I have on the laptop. Nice. Games can be a lot of fun. A couple of years ago, during NADOC week, there was a special online event for Indigenous Australians to play video games together. The people who joined in loved it so much that they wanted to keep in touch and keep playing. So they created a group called Blackout GG. Blackout GG is an online community for First Nations gamers to play together and chat and meet up at gaming festivals and conventions. It doesn't matter where the gamers live, Indigenous Australians from all over the country can join. 
and it's a place where they can feel safe. To have community. They feel like they're family and they can feel closer. Mm-hmm. And gamers are loving it. Arab man and gamer Josh says the people he's met through the group are some of his best friends now. And Tessa, a Wanyi and Arunda woman, says her new friends have helped her come out of her shell. They become close to each other and they can help each other. Chatting to friends playing video games when you're a big kid or a grown-up can be fun. But remember, you should always tell a grown-up if someone says something to you that makes you feel upset or unsafe while you're online. The community of gamers that are part of Blackout GG all make sure they support each other while they chat. And here we are, my friends. It is time for... Wow of the Week. This story made me go wow because I never knew that they had their backs to the lights. I thought they just liked it. Have you ever noticed moths or other bugs flying towards a light at night time? The mosquito traps work because then if they didn't have the light, why would the mosquitoes fly there? I go camping a lot. When it starts to get dark, we put up a lot of lights and it attracts lots of bugs. Humans have known for hundreds of years that moths seem to be attracted to light, but no one's ever really been sure why. That is, up until now. Dr Sam Fabian is an entomologist, also known as a bug scientist. He wanted to know why moths are so attracted to light. So he and his colleagues took slow-motion videos of moths flying around light to see exactly what they were doing. Their theory is that moths tended to fly with their backs to the brightest light they could find. Thousands of years ago, before humans were around, the brightest light was always the moon, high up in the sky. So their moths would have their backs facing to the moon and their tummies facing the ground. That way, they could always fly in a straight line. But nowadays, there are bright lights all over the place, and moths seem to accidentally be using them for directions instead of the moon. They point their backs at street lamps, for example, and end up getting trapped in the glow of the bulb, which is much closer than the moon. Sometimes they end up flying around and around in circles instead of in a straight line. That made a lot of sense. When the, it was just the moon, the moon stayed where it was and the light would stay there. But then when the street lights are there, when they fly straight, then they got to like, curve back around to get the light back on their back. It's a really bad thing because it, now they're getting stuck and probably starving as well. That is absolutely right. Researchers say the discovery is a good reminder that we should make sure outdoor lights point down so that moths don't get trapped in their glow. And here we are. We have followed the light to the end of another countdown. That was awesome. Thank you, Ruby. You are so welcome. And remember, you can test your knowledge on today's episode by doing the quiz in the show notes. Bye, Ruby. Bye. See you later. Or, as they say in Bengali, Bidai. 
News Time is an ABC Kids Listen podcast. For other awesome podcasts to play, music to move to, and stories and soundtracks for sleep, download the ABC Kids Listen app. It's free from your app store.